Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. I am Jason, and hello this morning or evening or whenever you're listening to this. Yeah, welcome, John is everybody. with me. And, well, I guess <laughs> yes, I should say I John is not with me. No, we are not together this week. We're experimenting with some of this uh, mobile podcast recording. As we've mentioned yeah, in prior episodes, we've got, uh, I have a lot of out-of-state hockey tournaments for my daughters, and so with all the traveling, we figured let's experiment with another way of doing these things from the road. You're, you're basically taking up residence in uh, Minnesota, aren't you? I've thought about buying property. I have. <laughs> so how many how many of the next? Uh, how many of the, the weeks this month are you in Minnesota or at a youth hockey travel tournament? Every weekend. Every weekend. So, so how does it look then for February? Are you are you gone quite a bit during that? Like half, or is the, it... like half the month, yeah. <laughs> so half the month. And so yeah. when does the season end for when does the season end for the girls? Oh, uh, we have a final kind of a final local tournament in March. Uh but the okay. out of state stuff is usually we're usually done in February. Okay. It's it doesn't it usually does it end with that Maverick Stampede tournament that they hold at Baxter and Grover Ice and some of those other uh yeah. local rinks around the city? Yeah, and we end up buying almost almost all the ice. We will play at just about any rink, if there's enough need, we've played up in Fremont even. So it's, oh, it's wow. a pretty so big tournament. Yeah, so you guys are at Grover, you're at Moto, you're at Tranquility, and you will be, and I can't think of, is it Sitter? Is that Sitter, Signer up there in Fremont? Is that the name of the arena yeah. up there? Yeah, and then they almost always have games at Baxter and Ralston as well. Right, right, yeah, because we'll see them. if they're, I, I don't know if there's a UNO hockey series that particular weekend or not, um, but if there is, we will see uh, the kids potentially playing in those games. Yeah. It'll be yeah. exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. It makes doing this podcast yeah. incredibly difficult, so the fans <laughs> need to appreciate what we're doing here. There, there is some effort put into it, and you that's, know, that's right. Speaking of excitement, much like the excitement of my daughters playing, we had some excitement uh, this weekend with our Mavericks. Ah, oh, we sure did. We had a two-game series at North Dakota, our first NCHC play of the new year, and we had an exciting game to watch on Friday night. Headed up there against the number one team in the country on a 13 home game winning streak. And that streak ended on Friday night. Yes, it did. That was an exciting, an exciting way to start conference play here in the second half. Anything you saw that kind of stood out to you in that game? That you want to well, I call think the Friday night game. Right well, I think 
I think, first of all, the way that the team started. I think that the uh, two goals in the first period by Taylor Ward and Chase Primo, I think that that was an important way to kind of get things started for the team. I mean, this team plays much, much better when they, you know, get the jump in the first period and get a good lead in the first period. So we were up two to one after one. And I thought both of those were great goals. The fact of the matter was we were getting outshot by North Dakota um, through all of the game, but we took advantage of the opportunities that we had. And so I was very, very excited, especially considering how well their goaltender, Shield has played um, all season long. I was excited that we got that kind of a start. I wasn't sure if it was going to hold, but I thought those goals were great. What did you think? Yeah, I thought they they did what they needed to do. They jumped out early. And I think for me, the, the thing is always when you come into a club, when you come into a game as an underdog, one of the keys to success is always to capitalize on opportunities. You know, you have to assume that you're not going to get a ton of chances, right? Especially high quality sure. chances. And when when Ward put in that first one, I was like, I think the guys are are, are jumping on this. That they're like, we're going to we're going to take everything that's given to us and we're going to make the most out of it. Uh, and I mean, the stats kind of show that. We put in six goals, but only had 13 shots on Friday. So That's usually right. if you'd see 13 shots in a game, you're not thinking that team's <laughs> going to win. No, you're definitely not thinking that. That was, that was, that was the thing. We definitely, we, you know, a little puck luck's involved for sure. But we took advantage of those right. opportunities, and that's that's really what we needed to do against that team, considering the success that they've had uh, at um, the Ralph Engelstad Arena this season. So that was a great way to start the game. Um, North Dakota did kind of they they kind of kept staying, you know, they stayed in it, you know, they 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 stayed, you know, close within you know fitting distance. But fortunately, the Mavs kept things going and held them off until the end of the game. But I got to tell you, it was, it was, it was great to see Ward, Ward and Primo get those first period goals. I, I, I love the goal by Smolage in the second period. And I really think that that ultimately that goal was kind of the, the, the key in the game. I think once they got that third goal, uh, that's really what kind of lifted that team. And you could just tell by their body language and the way that they were playing in that first game. I, I agree. I think Smolage's goal in the second to give us a two-goal lead, you know, really helped calm the nerves because yep. mismatch gets the the goal to put them within one, and you're thinking, oh no, you know, maybe we're gonna we might lose this. It, it might be just one of those like they put in a great effort, but they couldn't find a way to win type of thing. Uh, and then you get Jordan um, about midway, a little bit past midway through the second period to put us up by two goals again and and that's really like those that second period is where I really felt like we were gonna we were gonna find a way to win this because second periods haven't been our thing this year Uh, so to have a productive second period was really good for them yeah we've we've struggled in the second period this season and so I wasn't sure when that lead was cut but I I'll be honest with you. I'm glad the way that they responded. I thought the the Zach Jordan goal uh, 
Tristan Keck had the assist. I thought that was a beautiful goal. Really, if you look at those goals, and I think you would agree with this, Jason, we played well on the move. We played well in transition on Friday night, and I think that that was the difference. We tend to be a team that that scores our goals. We're not a you know we're not a team as much that's kind of a methodical move it around the offensive zone type of team. We're a team that you know when they're on the move, when they're skating in the zone, when they have um, odd man numbers in particular, and this is the way it is for you know every team. That's when we tend to have most of our success. Yeah, this team seems to be seems to be better at that than than maybe some other teams that UNO's had in the past. Um, sure, I think it it struggles because it, it's hard to find a lot of success when you rely too heavily on transition. Like you usually want a good uh, transition game, yeah. but you don't expect it to be productive for you as especially as much as it has been for for Omaha. I think that. It's really the the capitalizing opportunities. Like there's been a number of games that you know we've had opportunities towards the end of the game to tie it or win it, and we couldn't seem to come through with it. So to see them kind of capitalize on some of the things that that were given to them, uh, I think Primo's the classic example of that. You know that was it was a poor decision by North Dakota and. He got the turnover in, in a good scoring opportunity, made a good move, and, and found the back of the net. Uh, those are the types of things. Capitalizing on those mistakes are what other teams have done to us a lot this year. Yeah, they really have, for sure. And that you're, you're absolutely right. There have been a number of games that we've watched uh, at home and on the road this season where we haven't been able to capitalize on some of those opportunities. And there have been games that we've lost where you're like, if they'd just gotten – one or two of those to drop early, it would have changed the complexion of the game. So, so they, they did what they needed to do. Obviously, they didn't get a lot of looks um, at the North Dakota uh, goal on Friday night, but they took advantage of the opportunities that they had. So I was really proud of the team, and uh, I know you were too. You texted me very excited after that game. So, so that, was, uh, that was an awesome one to watch. The one thing that I would say, I guess, taking away, you know, something constructive to, to work on sure, is something we've seen a lot this year is we seem to, we seem to let down after anything good happened. And I saw a lot of that still on Friday night. And that was some of the stuff that early in the game certainly worried me. Um, you know, it wasn't too long after Ward's goal to kind of open the first period that uh, Senden got his, you know, luckily Chase got his, right. got his, you know, fairly short after that. But then even in the second period, you know, Smallage gets his and Mismatch gets his not too long after that. And we have a lot of that. Oh, like absolutely. We score, but then within a couple of months, they've, they've tied it up or they're, you know, back to a one goal lead or something like that. And it's just like, oh, I mean, I really want to see them. <laughs> Score and then go pedal the metal and say, you know, we're going to keep this going. Um, I, it, it just it, it worries me in this NCHC play when you're playing against better teams that you can't seem to kind of hold the tempo, hold the momentum you know, when you get that kind of opportunity. So 
I, I, I'm still a bit right. concerned about that, even though we got the win on Friday night. Because we have to keep in mind, we still gave up three goals on Friday night, and that's been a problem for us, not just the first half of this season, but the last couple of seasons, is the number of goals that we give up to our opponents. And it makes it a lot um, more difficult uh, to hold on and win some of these games, especially against some of the high-powered offenses that we see in this conference on a, a week-in, week-in, week-out basis, especially in the second half. So that's something they've got to find a way to kind of tighten things up defensively. And when you get, you know, let's say a two-goal lead on a team, um, to be able to hold that, you know? Right. Absolutely. So we had the the fun the fun events on Friday, and then we had the Saturday night game. Now I don't know about you, but after after winning six to three on Friday, I was a little bit worried about how things were going to go on Saturday night. You had to expect that it was going to be more realistic. I think you know North Dakota is not going to want to not going to want to lose to this unranked Omaha team, you know, twice in a row. So they're going to be better prepared. They're going to be, um, you know, ready to go. Certainly something to play for. So you had to expect something different going into Saturday night. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that said, I, I'll be honest with you. We had, uh, I, one, one of the early opportunities in particular was Noah Prokop. Um, but there were a couple of opportunities in that first period where, like, if UNO had just been able to put those pucks in the net, it might have changed the complexion of the game. But ultimately, we gave up three goals in the first period, and that was that was kind of all she wrote. Yeah, I was I was worried after that first period that it was going to end up worse than it actually ended up, but. <laughs> Right. You were worried at that point. It was like, oh, my gosh, is this going to be like a nine-to-nothing type game? Because we've watched those games over the over the last couple decades with UNO. Um, fortunately, that didn't happen. Taylor Ward right. got a goal in the second period. Um, but that was, that was it as far as, you know, looking at the uh, box score here. I mean, really, in the third period, not a lot happened. So... Which I yeah, there really wasn't you know, a whole lot of opportunities, and we just couldn't seem to. We needed a goal, I think, fairly early in the third to give us, you know, hope that that we could find a way to to pull this out. Because at that point in time, you know, a one goal differential, you know, with half half a third period to play, you know, I think these guys still would have felt fairly confident that they could find a way to make it work. Um, but you know, without that, it just it just seemed like we were stretching. And, and like you mentioned, you know, we had some opportunities in the first, and on Friday night, those are the types of things that seemed to uh, seemed to go in for us. That on Saturday, we just couldn't seem to find. Right. There were, you know, there were more penalties called too, or at least it seemed like there were more penalties called on Saturday night than on Friday night. Um, you know, one of the North Dakota goals was a, a call that UNO fans 
found to be relatively controversial, not even relatively, pretty controversial. I wanted to ask you about that one, the first goal. Yes. Like, what did you think about that? Because uh, I have to say, I we were sitting there watching the game. There was a bunch of us, uh, you know, obviously being hockey parents that are also hockey fans. So we we're all kind of gathered around watching the game. Um uh, what are your opinions on that? Was that what was that call, right or wrong? I thought it was goaltender interference. Now, one of the things that they said was the argument was that they said, I believe they said uh, Isaiah Seville interfe- interfered with the North Dakota player, and was the North Dakota player mishmash? I can't you might that be right. I don't. But- yeah, we were watching in small screen, so I don't know that I'm a very good tell of who was who. Was who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but some other people were saying, look, the North Dakota player steps on Isaiah Seville's stick, so that's goaltender interference. Um, I'm not as well-versed in some of the technicalities of these calls as other people. What did you think about that? Uh, my initial reaction was it's definitely goaltender interference. Right. The replay that they showed before they made the call, my concern was that it does look that, like, well, for one, Seville was out of the paint. And I know that they say that that doesn't matter, but I still swear that referees seem to think, like, right. some things just that are allowed outside of the paint that aren't allowed inside the paint. And yep. so part of me was like, well, they might look at that. And I did look at it saying it kind of looks that like Seville maybe makes the initial contact with the player, but right. the initial contact wasn't really what was in question to me. Like what got me was that when the North Dakota player is falling to the ice, it, it's clear to me that he moves his arm in a way to catch Seville's head. Like, it's not like I'm just falling to the ice and I'm going to try to protect myself because he shouldn't fall right. with his arm out like that. He should tuck his elbow in. So when you bring your elbow out, you're clearly trying to get a hold of something. And I think that he was trying to make sure that Seville ends up flat on his face, essentially. Um Right. And so I can I can get that you wouldn't want to make the call on the ice that way and I could get that you would say that's not enough for a penalty call, but that mm-hmm. goal doesn't stand. To me there's enough of a context that Seville's not allowed to essentially play his role on the ice to do his job. Right. You're interfering with him, you know, making a save. And so I I'm with the I'm with the controversy that that should have been um, should have should have not been allowed, right? And, and that right. was just the start of it. Like they reviewed a, a non-call that seeing it, I never saw a replay of it, but seeing it live, I kind of thought that probably should have been at least a penalty, if not a major. Uh, there was another one that should have gotten called. There was an offside that got missed. Uh, 
so there was a lot of like, where like is your head? You know, these referees just there was it yeah seemed like there was, there was an obvious bias. Yeah, and there was there was one of those penalties, which I don't know if, if you noticed this, but the the North Dakota um, play by play and commentator on their um, their uh, Midco Sports broadcast said. The referee didn't mm-hmm. even come out and announce the penalty, which I thought was interesting because that's one of the things that they do this season now, and he didn't even bother to do that. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, we were talking about UNO's opportunities and stuff. In the third period, we get what – I mean, these are the things that, that that blow my mind. Like, the North – I know. was I think it was Wa that was down. The North Dakota player cross-checks Waz, no call on that. Waz right. on the ice, and that same North Dakota player cross-checks him again, this time to the back of the head. And yeah. I'm thinking, you made the call on the ice. You obviously saw the <laughs> second cross-check. The first one we'll just ignore. But the second one you make the call, right? That was like one of the right. longest reviews I have seen in a while. And I'm thinking, how do you – like? I don't even need to see the slow motion replay. That was clearly two hands, stick, back of the head. Definition of contact of the head, gone. What are you staring at this thing for so long? And this is where, like, we kind of start to, as fans and and the pundits that we seem to be, this is where we start to yeah. go, like, this something's fishy going on. Like, why does it take you that long? <laughs> to look at something and say we saw something that seems very obvious to everyone else because this is and the Ralph so, you know that know the, you know that the you know that the Ralph has good replay equipment this right. is this is not like this is not like when we were playing it in Portland Maine last week <laughs> they we don't we're not even sure that they had replay equipment in that at that game <laughs> right. that series but the Ralph we know does you know, it really was too bad. The five-minute major, uh, the UNO, uh, the, the five-minute major penalty where we had the power play in the third period, it really was too bad that UNO wasn't able to capitalize on that. that it, despite our success on Friday, we really had trouble establishing ourselves in the offensive zone. And that's been something that's been a problem in a number of games this season. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and especially on the power play. We you, you should you really should control the puck a lot more on the power play than it seems like we do. Uh and right. our power play was, you know, pretty successful a few years ago. I'd even say last year it was you know, it was where you would expect it to be. Like it wasn't stellar, right. but it was it was supportive. The last few series, you know, we didn't get a single power play goal this weekend. And yeah. I'd say for for the better part of a month, I think our power play's been lackluster. You know, we're, we're not catching good clean passes. You know, we're not making smart decisions. We're trying to force the puck into areas where you know we shouldn't. We're passing up you know decent scoring opportunities. You know, in favor of trying to like squeeze out something that's a little bit better. And it's like uh, I remember a coach telling me at one point in time, "Don't pass up ninety percent to try to get ninety one." You know, right. like if you're going to pass up a 50% chance for a 90% chance, that makes sense. But, you know, a lot of times you're passing up something that's a quality scoring opportunity because you think something else is slightly better than what you've got. Like 
take the take what's in front of you. And it seems like lately we haven't been doing that. You know, we we've been trying to pass the puck a little bit too much and and they're not clean passes and they're like I said, they're forced to areas that you really don't need to go, especially in the power play. There's enough area there uh that you don't need to to shove it into to tight spaces. Um if that opportunity's not there. So I would like to see us be more productive. And I think that especially on Saturday that we would have been a lot better off because even if you say that we don't get, you know, we score on a power play before we get to that five minute, that player may not take that five minute penalty because you may in the back of your head, you may be thinking if this is borderline and I end up gone, that's five minutes of uninterrupted power play time. And if the team's shooting 33% on the power play, well, there's a good chance that they could get the two goals and equalize, right? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it changes the complexity of a game when they have to worry about your power play. And we, if you go all the way back to uh, the year after the Frozen Four and stuff, you know, we talked about there was a, there was that down year where we had a really bad power play, and it makes it. You remember that we teams play you. Yeah, you remember. The, yeah, there were some of those. You remember there were a number of games where when we you and OB on the power play, everybody was just like decline it. We we uh, you know didn't want to be on. Right. I mean we. I think we. I think and I think it may have been that season, but I remember one season in particular we gave up a number of shorthanded goals. I mean it was it, it, our power play we struggled mightily on the power play. And that's, that's, you'd hate to see that become a developing story here as the second half rolls along. Right. And if I remember right, it was when Gabnet first came back to Omaha that that the, the power, power play, play was better. Around. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it makes a big difference. And, and I think that we need to go back to that. We need to find a way to say, look, we're going to be a danger if you're going to give me if you're going to give us these types of opportunities uh, because I I think that that wouldn't just change the way teams play us it would change the way the refs ref the game because I think it's always in their back like I don't care what they say they they always know what these teams are capable of and consistent at and and what their game is right and so right they may or may not give us more or less opportunities then i i suspect that things will be a, bit, a little bit tighter and a little bit more even than we've seen some of these roughing games uh just because they'll know that this is a good club i've, I've got to make sure that it's warranted when they get it and that means the other right. team's got to be warranted when they get it. And so we exactly. would see a little bit more five-on-five five play, and we can be a little bit more consistent in the way we in the way we play our game. Right. I I completely agree with that, and I think that was just there were you know that, those are some of the stories that came out of the series this weekend. It was great to get a split because I mean you know you, you look at the the two series we have to start conference play in, in the second half of the season. And uh, it's, you know, it's North Dakota and then we have Denver at home next weekend. And we'll get to that a little bit later, but, but those are, you're, you're really seriously worried about going 0 and 4. So to get some positive um, 
results out of this to get three points uh, out of the weekend, I thought was a, a good showing for them, but there are still things that they need to keep working on. And, and I think you would agree uh, that uh, they just need to keep, uh, keep growing, uh, keep doing what coach Gabinet says and, uh, and uh, following the process and working on the little things and getting things right, because they've got some big games coming up for sure in the next couple months. Right. So moving on, moving on, we we wanted to talk a little bit about the way UNO is covered in the local media, right? Yes, this is a topic, as you are well aware, that comes up constantly, <laughs> every season, every <laughs> season, going back to going back to UNO's very first season in 1997, back when all we had to communicate on was a uh, an email list. I think it was it was either one list or it might have. I can't remember if it was a Yahoo group at that point. I think it was one list was what the email list was called that that one of the fans had set up, and then it became a Yahoo group, and then a virus went out over the Yahoo group, and that was pretty much the end of the email list. And that was right around the time that we started Mass Puck, which by the way celebrates its 20 year birthday. On January 20th, January 20th of 2000 was when I registered MavPuck.com. So that's, wow. that's when I started the website. Yeah, it's been so a, 20 that's years been a, on January 20, 2020. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Coming up awesome. in a, a little over a week here. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty exciting. So, well, I don't know if it's, it's yeah. really not that exciting. <laughs> I've wasted I, so much time over the last 20 years, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> but time well spent, my friend. Time well spent. Well, thank you know because of Mav Puck, we got to meet uh, you and Jolene. So that is that is yeah. one of the one of the awesome side effects of having MavPuck.com. So so that's very good. But yes, coverage is something people are constantly constantly complaining, frustrated about the amount of coverage UNO gets in the local media. And like I said, this, this goes back years. And I mean, almost every year this becomes a topic of conversation. Now, you and I work in the area of communications and publicity in getting coverage for, uh, the obviously, the organization that you work for and the various organizations and businesses that Bridget and I represent in our business. This is a constant thing, publicity, promotions, advertising, getting coverage for what it is that we're doing. So, so just give me your just kind of initial take on media coverage. And do you think that the concerns that fans have about coverage is warranted? Do you think – well, just let's start with that. Let's start with that thought first. Well – Part of it's hard for me just because I come from I come from a larger market, right? Right. In Colorado, where I grew up, there's more sports, there's more teams, there's more money, you know. Right. So the problems are different, right? Yeah. But there's some things that are the same. And I think from a fan's perspective, 
you always want to see you always want to see your team kind of your name in in lights, right? Like you right. pride yourself on on that product, and and you you commit to especially season ticket holders and stuff. Like you're committed to to this team and and giving hours of your life to you know watching these guys play a game that you enjoy, and to see it get shunned and not covered, I think is a disservice to the fans as much as it is to the brand that the university is trying to build. Right. The part that I struggle with is that I am very much a new media kind of guy. Like Correct. And yeah, I, and you know you know that you know that we are too. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know what, there comes a point where you say, look, if if traditional media, if large market media entities don't want to commit the resources because they don't feel like they get the value out of it, then that's their choice. Right. As long as the fans have somewhere to go, they'll feel, you know, they'll feel okay with it. The problem becomes that like then you get these large market media, these traditional media outlets that then say, oh, well, we're committed to the local sports stuff. And you're thinking, you liars. <laughs> like, you're not. Because what you're covering is not anything. It's not the local teams. It's whatever, you know, it's whatever you want to call the local team. Right, exactly. It's It's, I mean, it's certainly it's not it's not as equal opportunity as fans would like. And I think you you struck on something really important, which is the concept of people who are fans of teams. They when their team gets coverage, it gives them a sense of, I think, validation that their team is important in the marketplace. To be sure, um, you know, I mean, I. I ask myself a question because obviously people get concerned, for example, with coverage in the our daily newspaper here, the Omaha World Herald. And I understand the concerns about that. Now, when I look at it, and you and I are new media guys, when I look at it from UNO's perspective, ultimately the reason that you want coverage for your team is hopefully so it will it will kind of for people to be interested in your sports teams and ultimately come out and buy tickets, buy sponsorships, do those types of things that are going to further the, you know, kind of the fiduciary responsibilities of an athletic department. And I, I just look at the kind of the target demographics that, or not even the target demographics, but the demographics that, for example, daily newspapers around the country reach. And if you look at the print version of the newspaper, obviously those demographics are skewing older and older each year, and the numbers are dwindling. Now, the website is another story. Obviously, you'll get people of all ages, but when you look at a, an entity like the World Herald, most of their stories, uh, including game previews, are behind a paywall. And we all understand their need to make money and, and, and um, you know, keep the lights on at the Omaha World Herald, but 
it's an interesting thing because ultimately a, a newspaper is, you know, not a nonprofit organization. It's, 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 it's a business. It's a business in place to make money. And so you kind of understand that they're going to cover the things that garner the most attention for them, whether it's people subscribing to a print edition for the, the dwindling numbers that do, or the people who are clicking on links to read stories. So I have kind of a hard time. I mean, I understand people are are concerned about coverage, and ultimately there's there's probably more that every university can do in that regard. But I ultimately think that UNO and other universities like them need to start cultivating, obviously, new venues to reach people and new sorts of influencers that can help them reach the kind of the audiences of the future. And I think that's the that's the battle that everyone's in, you know, traditional versus new, right? Is right. It's always kind of been the way that if if you have a brand, if you have a product, uh, you know, I even think of talking to some people about just product marketing in general. You know, if I had something, the best thing that I could do was to get it into a magazine or get it into a newspaper, uh, you know, and then it became like, oh, well, it's not so much newspapers and magazines, but it's blogs and you want to get it on blogs, right? And that was that still kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. that traditional media, just like a new way of doing it. And right. nowadays it's different. Like nowadays it's not so much about getting your product name out there. It's about connecting with the people that would buy the product. And it it is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about it's about right. It's about building this it's about building a community. And it's it's not just about cuz like when people talk engagement, they're constantly worried about views, likes and shares, but there's more to it. When you're building a community, you know, it's it's about creating an audience that they communicate among themselves, they interact, they they become ambassadors, they become, you know, they become the people that essentially pull the water for your product, but it, it's about building a community, and that's a, it's a, it's a time-consuming process, and a lot of people are unwilling to do it. They kind of want to veer back to the old ways of, let's buy a billboard, or let's buy an ad in the Omaha World Herald, and let's look at that as, that's how we're reaching people. And that's, you and I both know in the 21st century, and especially in the year 2020, that's not how things work. Right. And I remember it, it, it was probably like six, six or seven years ago. I was at a conference and it was uh, one of the elite executives at CBS was there. Uh, giving this presentation and someone asked the question, what is your biggest competition? And his response was, you know, I think I know a lot of you probably expect me to say ABC, NBC and the other networks are our biggest competition. Right. He said, but when you right. really look at it and you look at what we're doing, we are focused on, and this is back then, like we are focused on the people who enjoy the content that we put out and continuing to put out the kind of content that they thirst for, that they strive for. 
And so when we're looking at growth numbers, we're not focused on taking numbers necessarily away from someone else. What we are focused on is how do we compete against going out and playing outside or going to a sporting event or going to a movie. These other things that would take up the time that you might use to watch one of our programming. And I think that that's what's driven a lot of this streaming service is this concept of, like, if I have to compete against John Brooks and your schedule and when you're available and what other things you're going to do, I'm going to lose to a lot of those things because you've already invested so much in that. If I can say my content is no longer it's 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 no longer tied to, to this time to, to, right to traditional time now, slots yeah yeah so now when it's convenient for you you can work it into your schedule and it changes the product that they're offering because they can go back to saying what we really need to do is put out something that our you know the fans of our content enjoy and so to bring that back into to you and it's like i personally feel this is just my opinion and i'm sure there's plenty of people out there that disagree with me there's always people out there that disagree my opinion is that uno has a unique position where they they have clearly a traditional market that hasn't invested in them the way that traditional markets have invested in other athletics and the lack of content while it upsets us a number of your biggest fans, it's not going to change anything if you can increase that, I think, with you know other types of fans in the way that you need yeah. to invest in it. So where you should invest your time is saying, what can we do that takes the experience of the people that are here on Friday and Saturday night, uh, or maybe the people that just show up to the occasional game? What can we do to say, how do we take this experience beyond a Friday night in January or a Friday, Saturday series in February? Come April, May, June, how does this still factor into your life? And what kind of content and and what kind of ways can we partner and reach out to those types of people? Um, You know, we... With Mav Puck, you know, it's a community of people who are loyal followers of UNO hockey. It's a clear opportunity to me to say if the university wants to put out something and get it direct into the fans' hands, like, do it. Because I think of how many times you've invited people and I've invited people to come to a hockey game and they love right. a hockey game. And they're not going to be season ticket holders. And so you're not going to drive those types of numbers. But yeah, they're going to be the occasional fans that come and come to a game and buy a ticket and help with those single game and, sales and fill the seats. Well, and quite honestly, you know my friend Scott, who sits next to you guys, he was a guy that we just gave tickets to, and we would talk glowingly about the UNO hockey program. And for the last three seasons, he's been a season ticket holder. And so, I think it's. I think it's one of those things that's important for them to kind of engage in a meaningful way with the fan base because ultimately those people can help do the marketing for you. And quite honestly, it really it doesn't cost you as much. 
And it's not that one-way kind of old-school communication that, you know, getting a story in the Omaha World Herald or, you know, getting a 30-second segment on the evening news is, because as you mentioned, people aren't following traditional time slots for things. You know, people would make a point of tuning into the news at 5 or 6 o'clock back in the day. Now they don't. I mean, the fact of the matter was my uh, my uh, brother-in-law who passed away in 2017, he um, worked. He was a producer at two local news stations. He was a producer at KPTM and then at KMTV for a number of years. And he would always talk about the fact that the weather is obviously the most popular segment on the local news. That's the one that drives people to tune in. And ultimately now you can get the weather on your phone. So you have to start thinking differently because ultimately the numbers are going to continue to dwindle. Um, you know, local news stations are propped up by network primetime programming, ultimately continues to help drive their numbers and keep those entities afloat and keep the ad revenue going. But but as time goes on, a number of these sources, whether it's newspapers or magazines, those things are going to – they've already changed a lot, and they will continue to change. And so you have to look for more unique ways to communicate with your target audiences. And I think you and I have seen that. There are a number of – you know that I'm, I, I love to, to watch a lot of uh, tech YouTubers, for example, and those are people who get – you know, they get items to review, they get invited to events because they reach a very specialized audience. And they're, they're not as, as formal as traditional news outlets, but they get your message and they, they promote your product to the people that you ultimately want to reach. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's the idea of influencer marketing, right? Is get, right. get someone who seems like your best friend to tell you that this is the greatest thing in the world and then they're going to buy it because they feel like their friends telling them it's the greatest thing in the world, not some advertising agency. Exactly right. But so there's an opportunity, you know, we throw out ideas on this, this podcast on, on occasion of like, wouldn't it be cool if they did this or something. Right. And so I right. think back to all these promotions where they've given away $5 upper bowl tickets. Right. And it's really sure. just like anyone can get them, right? And it, it frustrates us. We've mentioned it before. Like As a season ticket holder, it frustrates us because, you know, any Joe off the street can get a ticket right next to me for less than I get it in my season ticket holder discount. And exactly. I think, well, that's kind of unfortunate because I don't know Joe sitting next to me. But what if it was something where you say, like, here's this Everyone for Omaha campaign, where if you know a season ticket holder, you can get, you know, give every season ticket holder X number of referral codes, right? And so I can give right. these referral codes out to friends, and they can put that referral code into the website, and they can get a ticket near me for $4. And it's the Everyone for Omaha campaign, right? Like, that's the kind of thing that I'm like, you know what? I would be, I know so many people that I would send those to going, hey, you can come sit with me or sit near me or, you know, not, not, maybe not the seats next to me because they're probably taken, but, you know, same section, you know, a section over a section or under or something like that, where it's like, Hey, come check out a hockey game. I, 
I've done that with products before, things that I've bought that have been like, this is, you know, this is an awesome product because I own it and I use it and I like it. And I get referral codes where it's like, I send it to you, you buy it. I get a little bit, you get a little bit, you know, it's, it's like, I see all the things like you get $10 off your thing and I get $10 store credit. Win-win. Exactly. Right. Like I want you to use it because I get $10 and you want to use it because you got $10 less. Right. Sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, I think that those, those things are so important and it's a much more personalized way to, to reach people that you're not going to do with a tweet or a, a post on your Facebook like page or I mean, even an email. You know, it's one of those things that if you can get your best customers to help market for you, um, it makes such a big difference and it can help get more people to those games, which ultimately the more people that come to those games, the more relevant it seems to the local media outlets and potentially the more coverage that they'll get. Now, I, you, you know me, I don't really worry so much about local media coverage because like I said at the beginning of this segment, you know, that's something that people always complain about. And it's tough when you're in a, a niche sport uh, in a market that's not a traditional hockey market. I know we've, we've had, you know, organized hockey playing in Omaha for several decades in various forms, going back to like the Omaha Knights. But it's, it's always going to be a challenge. So I would, with this type of sport, I would always be looking for more unorthodox ways and, and dealing with some of the kind of local influencers to kind of promote what it is that I'm doing. So, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see going forward, what kind of coverage they get. Ultimately, when UNO has success and they they beat the number one team in Grand Forks, that ultimately warrants more coverage than than um, than you know if they have a season where they only win nine games. You know what I'm saying? And you would think that, but I still remember the coverage that that they got in the Frozen Four year. And oh yeah, I remember sitting here going, I. I remember the years that Denver went to Frozen Force and they got better coverage in a in a large in a, in a pro market sports market in Denver. In Denver, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you've got well, you've got so much going on in April in Denver and yet you still have DU making front page prime opportunity sports location in the newspaper and i'm just like i i couldn't believe how poor the coverage seemed to be when uno was doing well and so when they aren't doing well you know that it's yeah i mean i'm not really what they're covering is so superficial because they're not covering they're not covering the athletic as a brand and i think that's where things kind of get missed is Fans, we look at it as, you know, almost like a like a friend. Like it's a per- there's a personality to it. There's a I know marketers talk about personas, and we're not gonna you know dull our audience with that stuff. But I think as fans, even when you're 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 subconscious and you're not thinking about this, but but UNO hockey is is a brand to you. It is a person. It's not just an, a thing, and. So what you're not looking for is this short little article that essentially narrates what you already watched 
either live or on TV. You don't need that. You want the backstories. You want the, you know, where was this player brought up? And UNO doesn't need a newspaper or even a blogger to do that for them. Like you no, can make I, partnerships and say, yeah. we'll write the article. Here it is. You're, you're absolutely right. A lot of the coverage that they've gotten in the local fish wrap have basically been game recaps. And the fact of the matter is mm-hmm. UNO has game recaps on their site. And, and most of us who are kind of like the hardcore fans watch the games online or watch the games on various TV broadcasts. There's a few of those every season. The fact of the matter is recaps are, is not exactly exciting coverage. You're, what you said is exactly right. The fans want more of those features. Now, I will say Jordan McElpine, who is a writer for the Gateway, he is a student at UNO, and he is a uh, budding journalist. He's doing a great job. He has written some terrific features this year, and i got to tell you, his feature coverage has been more that I've seen out of the, the quote-unquote professional media here in Omaha. So I've been very impressed. So I would encourage you to follow uh, Jordan McElpine on Twitter. And his Twitter account right now is escaping me. But if Jason wants to talk a little bit more about this, I will look it up on Twitter. And I'll get back to you in a moment here. Yeah, I think whenever we find something like that as fans, you know, we need to throw our support around things that, you know, we like. I don't. I don't retweet articles from the World Herald, partly because I know that, you know, it's going to be paywalled and I don't know who of my friends pay that fee and who don't. So I hate to send something out that only, you know, 10% of my friends can read. Like right there, I've decided it's not worth it for me, right? So when we get an opportunity, you know, that we know someone can can actually engage in and, and get some information in there, you know, I think as as a community of fans, we all have to commit to supporting that. So uh, what he's doing with the student newspaper is a prime opportunity where, you know, when you see those tweets come out from from your friends and from other fans and from fan sites like Mouse Puck, you know, it's an opportunity for you to like and share alike and things like that that, you know, will garner them some exposure that will you know, it's our little way of upvoting them on Reddit and saying, look, we, you know, we appreciate you taking the time uh, to cover right. this the way exactly. that we feel it needs to be. Yes, and I have Jordan's Twitter. Jordan is at Jordan underscore McElpine, which is M-C-A-L-P-I-N-E on Twitter. So give him a follow. He's uh, Bridget and I yeah. talked to him a couple months ago. He's a really good guy. I DM him every once in a while. And I think just looking at it from UNO's perspective, I think going forward they have to be careful about giving some of these legacy news organizations, you know, what are essentially what is essentially exclusive coverage. Because I think as time goes on, the demographics aren't going to be what they want, and it's not going to be the people that are interested in their product. So they're going to have to start to look kind of beyond the traditional. Obviously, when you look at media, it's a technology business. And at one time, you know, if you could afford printing presses, newsprints, ink, and to pay journalists, you know, you could make uh, a pretty hefty profit with a daily newspaper. That's why so many there were so many large media companies that formed because it was a, essentially a way to print money. 
And as time goes on, that's going to change. So there are other avenues uh, for reaching consumers, including the stuff that they do in-house. And I think that that's an area that they can continue to work and really need to continue to enhance because I think that the product that they put out themselves is important. So, so yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. I don't get too worked up about it one way or another because it, it seems to be kind of a constant, uh, constant thing. But like you were talking about, there are a lot of things that they could start to do that would potentially help to enhance their exposure. And I think it, from the consumer point of view, I think we have to look beyond the traditional news outlets that we, that we kind of garnered as being kind of the pinnacle and important for the last, you know, 100 years and kind of look at some of the new ways to reach consumers. Because I think there's a lot of ways to get coverage um, and to get the kind of sort of feature content that we want that, you know, aren't kind of behind the, the traditional technology and they aren't behind the paywall, you know? Right. Okay, so speaking of upcoming series, what? yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, are we ready to talk about Denver? Yes, I was, yeah. Speaking of upcoming series and upcoming coverage that we may or may not get, we've got Denver coming to Omaha next weekend for a two-game series. Yes, and it just never seems to end in the NCHC. It's always a high-quality appointment. And so, here we go again. Here Unfortunately, we... it's a team that we've been really snake bitten against. I, yeah. I don't know what the current tally yeah. is. Someone needs to look it up, but it's been a long time since UNO beat Denver. I think it goes back to, if I, I'm not mistaken, I think it goes back to a, a series that uh, Bridget and I were at, along with our friends Mike and Lindsay Shellhart back in the fall of, 2013, I think that's the last time we beat Denver, was out at Denver back at that point. And I don't know if you and Jolene were at that um, series or not. I know that uh, you, having grown up in Colorado, try to get out uh, to those when you can. And obviously your girls weren't playing youth hockey at that point. So I don't know if you were there, but it's been a long time since we have beat North Dakota. We've been snake bit playing snake bit and playing that team. And um I don't know, coming into this series, you know, we go up to North Dakota, a team that we've had a fair amount of success against over the years. And we got three points out of that weekend. And now we get Denver, a team that we haven't had a lot of success against, but we played well against last season. So going into this one, what do you think is going to happen? Taking my picks for the weekend? Yeah. I will say that. I mean, I, we were talking a little bit about this, this, this weekend and, you know, on our, our travel back and stuff, uh, my wife and I were talking about this in the car and that, um, if, if you had to say, like, if you said, look, you're going to win one game out of four, two against North Dakota, two against Denver, which, you know, which game do you think you're going to win? My pick first would have been Friday at North Dakota. My second pick would have been Saturday at North Dakota. So we're into my third yeah, exactly. and fourth pick to think that I actually beat Denver. <laughs> yeah. So sadly, exactly. even though I, that even though North Dakota is ranked higher than Denver, I still thought we had a better shot against North Dakota. Uh, 
I, I'm with you. I'm with I you. I struggle with this because Denver is a good team, and yeah. we just don't seem to play well against them. I we we definitely have trouble matching up against them for sure. Um, you know, they don't have some of the big names that they had in the past under Jim Montgomery, but they've got a number of talented players. I watched them this week. They had St. Cloud State in town for a two-game series. Uh, it was, both games were, I, I thought, in particular the Saturday night game was entertaining, but North Dakota looked good in both of those games against a, a, a very game Husky team. So, and uh, they've got a decent goaltender in Magnus Krona. They're one of those teams that, I don't know, I just, I feel like, I feel like maybe we're going to get a win. You know, the, the, the only team that we've been swept by this season was Minnesota Duluth. That's not to say that the results have always been pretty, but we've only been swept by one team. So I'm going to say we split against Denver, and much in the way that we had success on Friday night at North Dakota, I think we're going to have success Friday night against Denver. I think we're going to finally get that monkey off of our back. We're going to break through, and we're going to beat Denver. And I'm going to be excited to text back and forth with you about it while you're on the road at another interesting little town for where are where are you this week by the way for uh youth hockey uh worthington minnesota i believe is this weekend okay yep kind of the st cloud area i yeah i there there's small towns in minnesota the the little little towns of minnesota that yeah I don't know that I I agree with you. I I really want to okay. agree with you, but I'm like, oh, my mind just says, dude, you have watched Denver enough. Like, this is not a team no, that you know is what, Jason, known you for letting up, going, yeah, we can beat them. So, no, Jason, don't feel because I always I I always have fun thinking about our picks every week on this podcast as I'm watching the series. So I'm I'm really interested in what you have to say. This is a this is a tough one. Very, yeah. very difficult one. I, here's the things that are going through my head, right? I think that okay. one of the things that helps us out is that our worst losses to Denver came against players that are no longer with UNO. And I remember uh, Freddie Olsen, was, I, we were talking to him when he played here uh, about beating Denver because, you know, he was – from they they lived in the Denver area and, and so it's kind of a a hometown yep. thing and and he really wanted I could tell he really wanted to beat uh, Denver and absolutely they, they got walloped a couple times and so I I don't think that we have that stigma that Denver has that stigma that it's had say the last five years right I think this is a different team they know we've had trouble with them but they haven't lived it necessarily the way that some of the other right. teams. They don't, they don't have in that. The past. Right. Right. They don't, they don't have that. They don't have that stigma that some of those guys had because it was, it was a shorter history between when they had won, which we are thinking it was back in 2013 
to, you know, to today. These guys don't have, they don't right. have that monkey on their back to them. This is a, it's like, it's like when they went to North Dakota last weekend, it's a, it's a fresh series, a fresh opponent. It's somebody they have a face this season. So, right. So that said, the other part of that what is, is your is pick, that... Jason? I, I, I'm going to say that we get swept. I think okay. that we will, I still think it's a, it's a little bit in our heads on Friday night. I I have a feeling that DU is going to come out and take care of business. I I fear that it's going to be kind of like a Saturday game at North Dakota where we just really we struggle. We're not playing bad, but we're just clearly not at that caliber that Denver is, I'm, I'm, and then yeah, I I'm think super, that that Friday night gets in their head on Saturday, and, and then we end up losing both of them. That's what I think. I, I'm concerned about whether this team can establish themselves in the offensive zone and have a little bit more success on their power play opportunities. That's the, Those are the two big things that I'm looking for this weekend out of the team. I think this is, again, we go back to this, our goaltenders, and I'm assuming Isaiah Seville will be in net for both games. He's got to have, he's got to come up big and have a big weekend against a team like this or they will make us pay. One of the interesting things, I'm looking at the list of Denver coaching staff on their website, and I just think that this is funny, Jason, so I'm going to mention it here. Okay. But David Carl, who is the young, talented head coach at Denver, he is listed as the Richard and Kitsia Goodman head coach. So I'm assuming Richard and Kitsia Goodman have sponsored the head coach listing on the website. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Wow. You see, now the assistants aren't sponsored yet, but, I, but one of the interesting little tidbits I will tell you, and I've, I've been meaning to mention this on a podcast, their two assistant coaches are Tavis McMillan and Dallas Ferguson. And those two uh-huh. guys, coached together, and both of them were head coaches at one time at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, a team that was our nemesis in the CCHA. You remember we had trouble beating Fairbanks in Alaska. So those two guys know how to beat us. So they've, they've got our numbers. Right. So they, they know, and obviously those were against, you know, predominantly the Mike Kent's coach teams, but they, those guys have had a lot of success against UNO over the years. So I just thought that was interesting about the uh, David Carl being the Richard and Kitsia, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing her name right, Goodman head coach. So they have a sponsor for their head coach at Denver because that's how ritzy they are. And, and Jason knows because he was a fan of their team for that many. They've got that delicious carving station out there. They've got their head coaches are sponsored. So that's what's going But it's going to be a tough series, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if the outcome you predicted happens. But I'm, I'm hoping for they, – they keep – getting positive results and staying in the points race in the conference because that'll be very important. And it'd just be great to get a win against Denver. So I'm going to be cheering. I'm going to be cheering them on for sure. So I'm going to say one thing. I'm I'm looking forward to see how Conley does against Denver. Being that Going to, he played for Denver. Hey, so, is that, well, you saw, uh, look, yeah, you saw how well Taylor Ward played at his dad's alma mater this last weekend in North right. Dakota. So I'm excited to see how he plays, too. Conley has been a, a terrific player for us this season. I'm going to be excited to see how he plays. Um, 
but yeah, we, we've got to get things going in the offensive zone and, and tighten things up defensively. And I, I think we can have success, but it'll be exciting to see. I'm looking forward to texting back and forth with you this weekend. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot so, of funny things to text back and forth. So that'll be fun. On that note, we did yes. forget something, John. Yes, we did. And I, I was, I was, I was going to throw it in here and I forgot my player of the weekend for the North Dakota series. Yes, we did. We, we so forgot I think we need to do that team. before we sign off. Absolutely. So I'm going to say my player of the weekend for the North Dakota series was Chase Primo. I thought Chase had a terrific weekend. And certainly when I look at that goal, which was the second goal for UNO that he got in the first period Friday night, the unassisted goal, I thought that was terrific. Uh, he had another good opportunity Saturday night that didn't didn't go in, but I thought he had a really good weekend. I've been impressed with him the last couple weeks, and uh, and uh, he's starting to come into his own as uh, as a player. You know, the son of a former NHLer. I'm excited to see what he can do down the stretch. So I'm going to go with Chase Primo this weekend. Who are you going with? Did I steal your player this weekend? You you did not. Okay. Oh, and I think I'm going to go a little, like, I think the on-the-board name is Taylor Ward. I think he had a great series. I think he's an obvious pick. But the guy that I really wanted to talk about as kind of, like, my player of the, the weekend was Tristan Keck. And Tristan I, Keck, yeah. I, you know, I feel like I people have said we I, talk, we talk, hard we on we him. We talk about him almost every week, yeah. It's like... The poor, like, I feel bad for the game because I'm like, we, we've talked about this, like, he'll get the puck and I'll be like, oh, it's Keck. And I'm just like, the poor guy, just something will seem to go wrong for him every time and I feel bad for him. Like, he gets breakaways left and right and just can't seem to find it. And I, like, I always feel bad because I think he does a lot of the things that he needs to do right. Uh, and he just gets overlooked because he gets kind of snake bitten in some of these things. Uh, he had two assists on Friday night. I think he played one of the better games I've seen him play in a while on Friday night. Uh, he seemed to really gel with the guys, and and I just I really appreciated you know everything that he was doing on on Friday night. And I think that you know he had a good game on Saturday as well. Uh, yeah, and I'm I, trying to, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if you remember this on Saturday, Jason, because I can't remember. I thought he had an opportunity early on in the game. I can't remember if it was him. I can't remember which player it was. Like I, I had mentioned, Noah Prokop had a good opportunity, but I couldn't remember if Tristan did or not. But, but yeah, he had a Keck great did, yeah. Because I, I thought when he hit the he, post, he hit the post, and I thought, oh gosh, this is going to be another one of those games where, like, he's going to have a bunch of opportunities and it's going to be like, uh, like fifty posts and, and yeah. Like, oh, I remember guy. him early on yeah. having a good opportunity, but that that assist that he had on the Zach Jordan goal in the second period on on Friday night was terrific. That yeah. that that entire that entire setup was great. So, yeah, he's he's been impressive the, the past couple of weeks, and um, we're going to need him to be so big Primo in Denver and, this weekend. So, yeah, Primo say, and Keck. Primo and Keck are too. We really need guys to, and of course Ward as well, to really step up and uh, play another good series. Yep, help take the Mavs over the top. Well, Jason, once again, and, and I want to thank our listeners. Jason and I are trying a new technological option this week, so we'll see how it goes. Bridget uses this for teleseminars that she does. 
for a membership site that we have in our business for uh, career services professionals and resume writers. So, uh, so Jason and I are giving it a shot this night. We'll see how it is. Uh, it'll either go great or Jason will be pulling his hair out trying to edit <laughs> this into a podcast uh, that will hopefully come out Monday morning. So in the meantime, uh, be sure to follow MapPuck on Twitter, Facebook, um, and at MapPuck.com. And uh, we'll wish uh, Jason to have uh, good travels next weekend to his uh, – which is it both daughters that are, that are playing next week on, on the road, or is it, uh, is, it, is it Lexi or Maddie? Lexi, just the older one this weekend. So. Okay, so she's a very talented hockey player. I've watched her play. So uh, safe travels on the road to you and Jolene this weekend. Uh, I hope you guys have a lot of fun up there. And to all the Maverick fans, Bridget and I will see you at Baxter Arena for the two-game series against Denver University. Should be fun. And until then, go Mavs. Go Mavs.